Hello and welcome to the final episode of Strong Women Better World Podcast Series Season 2, where we continue our exciting journey to Tokyo Olympics and Paralympic Games with you. Today, we will head to the Philippines to meet one of the strongest women in the world, our GSMP sister, Adeline Dumapong, a para powerlifter and mom of a beautiful, beautiful teenage daughter. Like our other GSMP sisters heading to the Olympics, Adeline has made huge sacrifices physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, and yes, financially in the quest to uplift her country, her family, and herself. And we are super, 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 super proud to call her sister. I am Chisum Mbono Ezoke from Nigeria, a sports broadcast journalist, and it is my great pleasure to welcome you to this podcast as we celebrate one of the most amazing and powerful athletes the world has ever seen and her recent journey in pursuit of the Tokyo Paralympic Games. As you quickly realize, she's an inspiration to me and I dare say millions of women, not just young girls and young women, but women in general. At the end of the podcast, you will certainly understand why. At 47 years old, Adeline Dumapong has spent the last four years in pursuit of competing in her sixth Paralympic Games in Tokyo. Yep. You heard that right? Sixth, this superwoman has been to the Paralympics five times. So more than 20 years ago, she made her powerlifting debut in, at the 2000 Sydney Paralympic Games and became the first ever Filipino athlete to win a medal in the Paralympics when she snatched a bronze medal and took the podium. I will let her tell you more about her amazing story. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome my sister, and one of the world's strongest women, Adeline Dumapong from the Philippines. Welcome to this podcast. And uh, your story has been so amazing. And it's an absolute honor to be interviewing you today. So thanks for joining us on the Strong Women Better World podcast. Hello, Chisom. So thank you for those very kind words. But a shout out, I went to the five Paralympic Games. But, you know, I met so many athletes who have achieved more. And, you know, and really, I am in awe of all of them. So I'm glad to be an inspiration to others. But I am also inspired by all these beautiful athletes in my heart. goes out to all the, the athletes out there, both able-bodied athletes and athletes with disabilities. And yes, uh, so greetings to all the listeners of this podcast. Thank you for having me here. I mean, thank you so much, Adeline. I think this is what I love about, you know, strong women. You guys definitely make the world a better place. And it's so exciting to hear you give a shout out and, you know, acknowledgement of other sisters and other athletes around the world. So thank you for that. That's what makes you an even greater person. But let's start with, you know, this uh, global sisterhood of ours so people can understand our beautiful blended GSMP family dynamics. So people will be wondering why I'm calling you my sister. I mean, I'm from Nigeria, I'm African, you're from the Philippines, our skin color's different, everything is different, but you are definitely my sister. So just let people understand, you know, what this is about, this sisterhood and, and brotherhood. So we're both part of the GSMP or the Global Sports Mentoring Program, right? And for me, I, I joined the program in 2016. What was your, what's your batch? When did you join? 2017, a year after. Oh, okay. Yeah, so 
yeah, when when I first went there, I was really pleasantly surprised, you know, for this family atmosphere of being there and being able to meet with leaders in their own rights from different countries. And so we talked about civility and sports and somehow uh, we, we connected. And I, I really liked the idea of having sisters and brothers from all over the world and of course it's a it's a project of the US Department of State right yeah. Yeah, and then I was stopped here and yeah and ever since that time you know I really felt like even if we are all far away from each other and especially now that we we just connect online there's still that strong connection that somewhere Somewhere in the world, people who think like me is really doing, are doing their best to make the world a better place. Yes, and for me, I was there in 2017, and like you, it was a very pleasant and amazing experience. And people really don't understand when I tell them, oh, my sister in in France or my sister in Brazil, but this is truly a sisterhood. We help out each other. So this makes this interview for me even that much more, you know, meaningful and, and precious. So, you know, but as we all know, COVID disrupted the four-year cycle of the game. The game was supposed to be in 2020, now happening in 2021. But I think more importantly, it's the rhythms for the qualifying events, the rhythms for the athletes, you know. So we know that this hit uh, close to home for you. Can you tell us about the news you received this weekend and how you're doing? Okay, so first of all, I'm doing very well. Yes, the news I received because because of the pandemic, we were not able to go to the qualifiers. You see, when we as athletes, right, wanting to compete to the Paralympic Games, there's there are after the Rio Games in 2016, the the, the road to Tokyo started already. So there, there are competitions that we have to attend. There are mandatory competitions. I can only speak for my, my sport, the, para, the powerlifting. So we have to attend like um, one competition, official competition per year. So we were able to go to Mexico on the uh, 2017 and then 2018 in Japan. But we were not able to join in 2019 and then in 2020. It was postponed. It, so they gave us a chance to join. This this year in May in Thailand and in Dubai last June, but we were not able to go. I mean, all the funds of the government, of course, goes to the <laughs> for for the COVID prevention and you know the group to address the COVID pandemic. And so, of course, we have to take a backseat. And as well as you know, we have a here in the Philippines, we have lots of lockdowns, so there was not really very good access to training, to training centers, because those are the, I mean, we, we use the gym, right? But the gym is the first to be closed. <laughs> so there was really, <laughs> there was really no way to train, right? And then, so we decided to apply for the bipartite, bipartite qualifiers. Just the other day, we received the news that out of the four powerlifters, only one got in. And that's my teammate from the lower class division, lower weight division. And so I'm disappointed in a way, but again, I am actually relieved because I know that I, I didn't really train that well. And so I think it's going to be, of course, we all want to for me, I, I believe that, you know, as an athlete, it's okay to lose. There are times when you lose and there are times when you win. 
it's okay to lose if you know that you you really did your best and but without training without really good training and then i go to the paralympic games and you know just go there for participation it's like it's really not for me so that's the release part and my teammate who was chosen to go she had access to the gym so i think she really deserves to go so i'm very happy for her this is her second paralympic game so yeah <laughs> uh, i mean i'm i'm so so sorry you know to hear about this even though you are relieved but this is also something that people prepare for over Ooh. the years and, and and have their minds at that so i mean i can't even begin to know you know what that would feel like but you know i can understand just what you must be feeling or i'm trying to understand it thank you for that energy that you have that's that's good to see good to feel disappointed but still happy for for your teammates so thank thank you for that so now let's talk about this paralympic games your first one in 2000 okay. you got that bronze medal for the philippines the first one again whoop, whoop, you know i keep telling people that i have very famous and powerful sisters so you guys keep making me proud but what was it like that first time to hear your name and the name of your country through the speakers in that arena was it everything you imagined you know put us you know inside the emotions you were feeling so it was the year 2000 the first time the philippines has ever participated in the paralympic games i never really imagined what it would feel like to participate in that levels competition so i had no expectation except that you know when we when we got there i was culture shock maybe because that was the very first time the largest competition i've ever been to I and mean, you know i i went to the stage and it was just a small competition so there was another one in thailand it was but yeah the Para sydney paralympic games was the first one and i was so intimidated because we were just there were only two athletes one for the athletics and me for the powerlifting. And <laughs> we were both, it was both our first time in the Paralympic Games. And our the officials, the, the officials who were with us was like saying, oh, don't feel any pressure. We're just here, you know, for the experience to participate. But yeah, they can say that. But, but as athletes, you want to, you know, you, you want to be able to perform well. So competition came. No expectation. My coach said, just do what you have to do. Give your best. You want to have a good record. Okay. I was up against Nigeria. And it, I remember clearly it was Nigeria, USA, UK, Emma Brown. And then there's this other guy from Egypt. Yeah. And then the Philippines. And then there were others. But they were the, one, the ones I remember clearly. Because the three of us, Nigeria, USA, and Philippines, we lifted the same same weight. But fortunately, for the, because the first one, um, UK took the gold. And then Egypt took the silver. And then there were three of us, USA, Nigeria, and the Philippines. And we're like, oh my God. And we, we, all, we all lifted the same weight. It's just that I was, my body weight was lighter. Yeah. That's why I got the bronze medal. But it was totally unexpected. At that time, we, do, we don't have the, the smartphones, right? And we did not receive, you know, the Filipino community in, in Sydney did not know that the Philippines was participating in that competition. So it was really just the, our chef de mission, the, the president, who's blind and the wise. 
who were in the audience, you know, cheering for us. They did have a camera, but they did have the video recorder. But when they saw my name, went up to third, they were so excited that the camera fell. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kaput. Anyway, so I really had very, very limited pictures of that momentous event. I was in shock. So I was like, is it true? I mean, maybe not. So, and then they said, yeah, you have to go to the doping test and then you come back for the medal ceremony. And so I was there and of course it was the, it was the, the, the flag was being raised and it was the national anthem of the UK. And, but I saw our flag being raised and it was really, I was really teary eyed because, you know, like, wow, it was my first time to go. Nobody expected me there. And, you know, it was, my coach was crying, actually. She was crying. I think the impact of that medal, really, I realized, okay, so I'm not just winning for myself, but I'm winning for the whole country, especially for the disabled sports. Because at that time, there was really no zero recognition from the government for the para-athletes. Our president, I mean, the organization's president, had to beg the government to give us support to go to Sydney. Winning that medal, although it is a bronze medal, I, it's just like winning diamond <laughs> more than gold. Because yeah, I did not win just for myself, but I won for the country. Most especially, of course, for the disabled people. Really, it was very emotional. And then when I went out to meet the to meet the, the president and the wife, because it's like it was like we were quiet for a while, and then and then yeah 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 you won. And, you know they were really very thankful, but I was really very thankful also for them for giving the, me the opportunity to be able to to participate in the Paralympic Games. Yeah. I think that's in Nigeria, we call that bronze medal, especially in, in situations where people didn't expect them to get it. We call it the golden bronze. That's what, what we the call golden it. Bronze. Oh, golden bronze. Okay, the golden bronze, yeah. Yes. And I do remember that. Okay. <laughs> she won the gold, she got the golden bronze because it's also part of the spirit of the Olympics and the Paralympics. It's not just about winning. It is, there's also winning in participation. And I reckon that you probably or definitely inspired a ton or hundreds, thousands of Filipino athletes, disabled athletes, and, and even people with disability. Uh, I mean, this is all, this is absolutely fantastic and super proud moment for you. Now, for me, as someone who did a track in school, you know, I know how nerve wracking, you know, the moment before going to, before going on your max can be. So walk us through the morning of your competition. You know, did you sleep the night before? How nervous were you? What was going through your mind? <laughs> it was nerve-wracking. But as I said, be just because it was my first Paralympic Games, I tried to deceive myself. I tried to say, oh, I'm relaxed, I'm relaxed. But really, you know, like outwardly, my coach was saying, yeah, just do your usual routine. routine. You know, and then I was like, yeah, 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 I'm okay. I'm not nervous. But really inside, like... I slept early, but I couldn't sleep. And then I would just, you know, doze off and then get up again and, you know, those things. So it was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> Did you eat? Did you eat that morning, though? Yeah, I barely. 
<laughs> Barely. <laughs> because I had to finish first. The, you know, for us, they they check the equipment, they check the weight and all that. So we have like, after doing all that, there's like time to time to eat and do your stuff. But really, I was so nervous to eat as well as I, I usually do. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like the saying goes, right? Age is nothing but a number. That's what, what it says. So, and then you are living proof of that, definitely. So how have you stayed motivated all these years to continue to push yourself? <sighs> it was hard. Right, it is hard to be motivated. At first, as I was saying earlier, at first when we came back from the Paralympic Games where I won the medal, it was all good. I was so motivated because it started for a while. It's like I became the face of the para sports in the Philippines. You know, being being one of the pioneers, and so we we started the fight for recognition. We wanted recognition and support from the government. So it was all very exciting. We went to the Senate, we went to Congress, you know, read all these position papers and do all these interviews. And yeah, I was right there with the group. However, as years passed by, you know, I also have to earn a living for myself. I have to, you know, all those things. Life was happening at the same time. And it was really, I, I, I don't know, I guess it's really just my personality not to give up on things that I have started. As I said, life was happening. You know, I got married. I had a daughter. I, I worked. I did all that. But the one thing that is constant was my sports. In a way, I guess because I like doing it, I love doing it because I did it even if I am not getting paid for it. I guess that's what we call love for sports. So yeah, that's what got me going for this whole thing. But yeah, but right now I'm for as you mentioned, I'm 47 years old. And although my mind and my heart really is still there, and I think I can still have another another Paralympic Games. I'm just kidding. I don't know. That my physically, of course, I can feel now the creaks and cracks of, of my body. <laughs> and I know that I really have to prepare for my retirement soon. We cannot be athletes forever. We've heard of athletes who have the weird pre-game you know routines i know someone like serena williams when she walks on court she never walks after the first service she never walks back from the, oh. side of the umpire she goes the opposite side after oh. every first game you know so for you i mean do you have any superstitions do you smell your shoes take <laughs> your right eye 10 times do you do anything of that sort before i look <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. No, I actually I really don't have that. But I do pray a lot more <laughs> before the competition. <laughs> Beg. Yes, yeah, really. There are so many, you know, young girls out there who have uh, some type of physical or intellectual disabilities, you know, from birth or acquired later in life. You know, can you tell us about the challenges girls with disabilities grow up with? You know, that may be different than the challenges girls face, you know, girls who are not living with disabilities face. Now, what words of wisdom can you share with people without disabilities when interacting with a person with disability? And this is something I'd also like to learn myself. The challenges that girls or children without and with disabilities, somehow it's the same. However, if you have a disability, there is that added challenge of being very different from, you know, being different from the community. And now people's minds are kind of opening up. But before, during my time, 
it was like I'm very lucky because I have always had the support and the love of my family. But here in the Philippines, it's like disability. There's a stigma attached to being to the disability. It's either you're cursed or you're paying for your parents' sins or you know things like that. I remember my parents telling me that why why do you, some some parents were telling them like why do they have to let me go to school? I can just stay at home, you know, and and things like that. Or you know. When you're a teenager without disability, it's awkward. And when you have a disability, it's more awkward. <laughs> you know, uh, it's more awkward. But yeah, I mean, I, I lived through it. I lived through having a disability. And when growing up, I would feel insecure about, you know, there's a boy I like, but the boy I like has, you know, likes me, but he likes the other girl better the one who can walk you know things like that and it it, it kind of course I, I i know that because i'm still involved with young children with disabilities and it will come up the topic would come up again and again i think that's human nature but because we're we're very different for i think my my nugget of wisdom no, for for children or for young young women with disabilities is that take courage I think you have to know that whatever it is you're feeling, you're not the only one who's feeling. Those children or those women who have no disabilities or those those youth who do not have disabilities, they also have insecurities. So, I mean, you know, it's normal to have those feelings and don't give in to that feeling of self-pity of insecurity you know you have to toughen yourself and no matter where you where what stage you are in life you have to live fully as a student if you have a disability just participate you know be part of the action because it is our responsibility as well as people with disabilities to show the world that we deserve to be part of whatever world they are in of the whole thing you know and as for those without disabilities because this has been asked uh just i think two days ago a woman asked me like so how do we really interact with people with disabilities and you know what i told her just don't be awkward with us treat us like how you will treat a next door neighbor don't be awkward because if you feel awkward to interact with us then we will feel it And we can also respond with the same awkwardness. I know that sometimes it's because she told me, you know, sometimes it's not easy because she thinks that we're, we might be too sensitive, things like that. And I said, yes, of course. Of course, I understand that clearly. But then again, you have to stop that, you know, that voice inside and try to look at us as normal as you can. Yeah, because I think that's the only way. If we go past that voice, yeah, don't don't be, you know, you might hurt her feelings. If you listen to all that stuff going on behind, then I don't think you'll be able to see the person behind the disability. Because you're always focused on the disability. But if you try, you know, you can just always try. And I told her, and I guess I'm telling you now, just don't be awkward. Just be yourself. And, and, and I think that's the first step. Oh, that, that's, that's so powerful. It's simple, but very powerful. Don't be awkward with us. And I like what you said. If you don't do that, then you'll be able to see the person behind the disability because the person with disability is not the disability. That person is still a person. 
you know, with the soul and the heart and emotions, just like the rest of us. So you are absolutely right, you know, about that. And, you know, we love hearing, you know, about your future uh, aspirations. So, so sad you're not going to your sixth Olympics this time. I'm sure you know that you have, you know, the entire GSFB family here to help you achieve your goals. You know, as the UT team says all the time, I'm sure you've heard it. We are never alone and our family webs of support keeps growing. So, you know, what's that next step for you? What's next for you? As an athlete, because I talk, I always talk to my coach, do you think I can still do this or do you think so? I feel myself, I can still be an athlete. Because what I promise myself is that when I no longer get a medal, when I no longer win in the lowest level of competition, which is the ASEAN Paragames, you know, the 11 country thing, then I think this is the time when I have to gracefully retire being an athlete because I believe that being an athlete, of course, you always want to win a medal for your country because otherwise, no, I'm not going to win. You, don't, you have no business being an athlete because when you're an athlete representing your country, the goal is to win, right? So right. as an athlete, uh, my coach told me that I can still do it until Paris. I do not know. But yeah, right now, for two years, maybe I can still be there. After two years, let me check again. <laughs> so I will continue to train as an athlete. But as a person, I am not just an athlete. So as an athlete, that I will continue to be to train and, you know, shoot for, for the 2024 Paralympic Games. But I have to check that after two years, <laughs> you know, just to... Just, and then as a person with a disability who wants to make an impact to the world, I want to be able to start my own nonprofit. I want to be able to help. Not the kind of help, Chisong, that's so big. I mean, you know, I just want to be able to give personalized help to persons with disabilities. The kind of nonprofit that I want to start is to be able to give personalized help that one person needs. So I'm calling it enabling a Filipino disability one life at a time. Because I believe that you have to do for one one person what you want to do for a thousand. That's uh, so far the plan. Oh, that is that is absolutely fantastic. And, and I'm sure you know that you have, you know, the support of every single GSMP member, you know, from the team to all your sisters and and your brother. So we'll definitely be here rooting for you. And personally, I will keep rooting for you because in Paris, Thank you. Uh, 20, uh, 24, I hope to see you there. This pandemic also affected me. Now I can't go as a journalist. If you're there for the 2024 Paralympic Games in Paris, I'll definitely be there in the crowds and cheering. We and- will be. <laughs> definitely. So it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, Adeline. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for the words of wisdom, the nuggets, you know, taking us through your journey as a Paralympian, as an athlete, through your family life as well. We've totally, totally enjoyed it. So thank you so much. And we'd also like to thank our audience for tuning in to this special edition of the Strong Women Better World podcast series. And sadly, this is the end of this special Olympics and Paralympics package. But not to worry, we will be back for a new season in September. So stay tuned. And in the meantime, you can always listen to our first season on your favorite podcasting platform. Until then, stay healthy, stay safe, 
and stay blessed. Bye bye.